All right. What is going on, everybody? Welcome back to SaberSims DFS Office Hours. It is Monday, June 20th of 2022. Thanks for tuning into the stream here today. If this is your first time watching SaberSims Office Hours, first of all, welcome. Thanks for tuning in. Uh, but second of all, my name is Jordan. I'm the head coach here at SaberSim. And Office Hours is an open Q&A style show where I answer questions from the SaberSim community about how to use our tools to build better DFS lineups. Uh, if you have a question for me that you would like me to answer on the show, you can email us, support at sabersim.com. Uh, you can post your questions into the Office Hours channel in Slack, uh, and you can post your questions live in YouTube chat if you happen to be watching me here live. Uh, if by chance you are not already in that Slack community that I mentioned before, there's a link to join in the description of every past show. Uh, you get of course, the access to the Office Hours channel, which is generally where I start with the questions, probably the best place to ask your questions for this show. Uh, but you also get the Sim Alerts channels, where you'll uh, get alerts when new Sims run, when news breaks for different games. You get to be a part of the conversation going on in all of the other sports-specific channels. Uh, and in that Slack community, there was an announcement late Friday afternoon uh, that I wanted to touch on here on this show for anybody that missed it. Uh, and it is the premiere of our new podcast, Behind the Sims. Uh, so this is up on our YouTube channel. This is up already on all uh, major podcast outlets, I believe, at least. I actually I haven't gone through and double-checked to make sure that they are uh, up already there, but they are submitted to all of those different podcast outlets. So they should be up this week. Um, this is pretty cool. Uh, if you haven't heard of what we're doing here, I know I'm a little bit biased, but I really do think this is a pretty unique uh, thing that I haven't really seen anybody else out there doing. So two weeks ago, I had Eric on here uh, for a stream walking through our new contest selection framework. Uh, we've done a ton of research over the past six weeks, I guess now here, uh, into contest selection, culminating in basically Eric building out a full-fledged contest simulator and simulating seasons and seasons out of these different contests to come up with our new recommendations of the best way to select your contests, right? Uh, well, this Behind the Sims series is actually literally the internal conversations we had as a team as we went through that project, starting from episode one, which was basically our first, like, let's look into contests. Let's just compare contests to each other and see if we can find a better way to pick contests. Uh, all the way into episode four, which was by that time a pretty detailed and nuanced contest simulator uh, where we were comparing these different full portfolios of different contests at different bankroll sizes, uh, all kinds of stuff. So if you enjoyed the contest selection stream, if you've been using that information and you want a little bit more of a deep dive into where that came from, uh, how we came up with that, give this a listen or give this a watch. I think actually for this particular series, uh, it would probably be more useful as a watch. Um, there's a lot up we pull up on screen, at least in, in certain episodes, we have uh, results of simulations up on screen. We have graphs and tables and data and things like that. So I think this set, this series here is maybe a little bit better consumed watching it, but it's up as a podcast version as well. If you just want to throw it on in the background uh, when you're knocking out chores or, or cooking dinner or whatever, um, I, I think it's pretty interesting. Um, again, I was, I was a part of all four these conversations. I had a lot of fun doing this. And this is something we plan on doing more of. So uh, for specific projects, when we find the right project for it, uh, we'll do something similar where, um, you know, maybe it could be a new sport model even where we'll record the internal conversations, the things we're talking about as we develop a new sim for a new sport, uh, release an interview style show uh, similar to what we've done on some of the other past model streams. I'll talk to uh, the, the data team um, and the models teams about how they put it together, but then we'll release those internal conversations and let you guys kind of get an idea of, of how we work and where these things are coming from and what these conversations actually look like internally. So I'm uh, pretty excited about it. If you guys have listened already to some or all of Behind the Sims, let me know in chat what you guys are thinking so far. Um, I know there's already been some comments on the YouTube videos. Let me know what your guys' thoughts are. Uh, if you like it, if there's things we can do better in the future. Um, and there is coming full circle here to how I got started on this. There is a special Slack channel now for this. Uh, so behind dash the dash Sims in our Slack community, uh, if you want to um, discuss, ask questions, anything like that, uh, check out that channel in Slack. Uh, but we're, we're pretty excited about this. I think this is a pretty cool thing. So I'm uh, looking forward to getting another series out here uh, pretty soon. Um, and I guess we will, we will go from there. So um, enough housekeeping. Let's go ahead and dive in here today. We have a few questions in our queue. Um, we'll probably start. I know there was a question about relief pitching. We'll talk about that here a little bit. Um, I see some questions. It looks like a little bit of follow-up to the research build conversations we were having last week. Um, another one about 
uh, looks like hand selecting some lineups. So we'll go ahead. We'll just start knocking out some questions. Um, I'm going to actually start. I think this is a good way to get our stream started here today. This is a question from Mills. Um, and uh, he said, I'd love, love to know more about how the Sim figures out who comes in as a relief pitcher. Uh, White Sox had a dude coming back from injury who threw 75 pitches. And the guy who came in next uh, had only recently started doing middle relief. Is that something we shouldn't expect the model to pick up on because it's missing some context that we might have? So, okay, so this is a good question. So I'm going to kind of start this question, I would say, a little bit more generally speaking. Um, and let me, this isn't a very helpful view. Let's try that and let's try that. Um, actually, let's, here's, here's what we'll do because I want you guys to be able to see here. Um, it's annoying though. Here, I'll do this. I want you guys to be able to see these relievers. So I think this is mostly, I think this is probably mostly a showdown question, right? Um, where you're actually going to be rostering relieving pitchers, um, less so a concern on classic slate. So, uh, well, I mean, one of the cool things about SaberSim is because we are actually simulating out these games, uh, we can actually project relief pitcher performance. Um, a lot of other projection models are just going to struggle significantly with doing that at all. Uh, it's, it's very hard to know, um, you know, the, the actual, because they are not guaranteed to get opportunities in any given game. It's, it's pretty hard to collect, uh, to project relief pitcher performance in showdown. That can be a little bit of an edge, right? Because at the end of the day, they are going to get in the game. Some of them, at least they're going to score points. Um, it's not uncommon necessarily for a relief pitcher to end up in the optimal. Um, so, you know, when we click these guys, you'll see their most common outcomes, uh, 40% of the time, zero in the case of Wendelkin here, um, for tonight's Padres and Diamondbacks game, but he, he gets in the game, right? Um, and there's probably some outcomes where, you know, you're, you're getting in, maybe you're striking out the side or something like that, or getting an opportunity to go a little bit deeper, two innings or something like that. And I mean, those players can definitely become optimal uh, in a showdown lineup. So first of all, we do have projections uh, and simulations for these guys. A limitation here, I would say the biggest limitation here, uh, if you're looking at this, is at the moment, we are not... We're assuming that, uh, you know, the entire bullpen is available to play any given day. And that's not the actual reality of what this looks like, right? Pitchers that pitched recently and pitchers that particularly pitched for a long time recently um, or, or through a lot of pitches uh, in the past day or, or sometimes even two days are unlikely to pitch again. Um, I, I think in general, you know, a very decent rule of thumb that I use is if a pitcher has thrown more than five to 10 ish pitches the day prior, I just assume they're not going to play, but that's not captured in the simulations. So, uh, an Epic problem noted this here in chat in Slack here. Um, I like to use this baseball press resource, uh, baseballpress.com. They have this bullpen usage thing. All it's going to do is it's basically going to show you pitchers that pitched recently. And if we went and looked at the Padres, right. Um, I think it would be a decently safe assumption uh, just to say that Tim Hill, uh, more Morajon, Stammen, and Steven Wilson are unlikely to pitch tonight, right? Um, is that perfect? No, but I think that's a decent approximation uh, of guys that are unlikely to pitch. So uh, you can handle this a few different ways. I think when I actually play Showdown, right, um, what I do is I just build the lineups first. Like I'll just build here, and I like to use these 0010, and then I'll figure out on the, on the post-build process how how much exposure am I actually getting to these relief pitchers, right? You can save yourself a little bit of time, especially, you know, uh, earlier in the season, I was grinding every single baseball showdown. It's kind of a lot to look up every single team, uncheck the pitchers that you don't need and go from there. Uh, in reality, I think what you can do instead is just see like, like how many relief pitchers am I actually getting in this particular situation? We're basically only getting two lineups that have a reliever in it. And they both have uh, this Ramirez guy here. So we could go and quickly just go in and check diamondbacks, uh, Ramirez. Oh, and sure enough, actually he did pitch yesterday. So now we can just remove the lineups that have him. Uh, and now we get Wendell kid and then we can do, oops, that's not what I meant to do. Let's close that. We don't need that anymore. Uh, Wendell kid who didn't pitch yesterday. So we're good to go. Right. Decent rule of thumb works pretty good. And then you get, you know, you're taking one out of 20 lineups. You're taking a shot on a relief pitcher, the best projected relief pitcher that we have. Um, you know, a lot of times if you look at these lineups too, um, it can make, it can make some sense, right? Like uh, if you get a lineup where Profar and Mazzara and Grisham all have are all in the optimal, right? Um, you know, maybe you take a shot on the the Padres like doing pretty well as a team and and the bullpen getting activated and things like that. But again, it doesn't take into account recent pitches, like who's pitched recently. So that's a big, a, a, a relatively big limitation there of something that you can add a little bit of value and do yourself. Now that is something we are working on. That is on our list to improve in the future. Um, the ability to 
I guess I would say essentially project the percent chance of a uh, of a different person in the bullpen getting into the game here um, and so on. I do think uh, there are some like there are some specific questions here about what Mills is asking that that seem a little bit specific to last night. I didn't play the Astros and White Sox showdown last night, the Sunday night game. Um, I'm not privy exactly to what's going on in their bullpen, but a couple other notes here about like the specifics of this question as it relates to this game. Um, White Sox had a dude coming back from injury who threw 75 pitches. So we do generally have a good idea of when pitch counts exist for starting pitchers. Uh, if you read something, you know, uh, do we have anybody recent, like what's the pitching look like tonight? doesn't really look like it. Um, but, you know, let's say like, let's say we have a pitch count on one of these guys, right? Or you're reading something that there's a potential pitch count on one of these guys here. Um, you know, Lance Lynn is actually a decent uh, example here. I know this isn't, this is his second start, I believe, since being hurt or coming back from injury. Um, but you can see, right, like 88.83, I think, you know, for for a pitcher of Lynn's caliber kind of implies uh, I would say somewhat of a softer pitch count there, right? Uh, but if there is an explicitly written pitch count that we find right out there, it will be it will be explicitly in the sims, right? And you'll typically see uh, that their mean average pitch count is generally like kind of a little bit, you know, below whatever that actual pitch count is. So anyway, all that to say, starting pitching pitch counts uh, when players are coming back from injury or whatever uh, or things like that, that that is something we will pick up on. Um, then the other thing about here about a pitcher that had only recently started doing middle relief, is that something we shouldn't expect the model to pick up on because it's missing some context? Um, that's going to depend a little bit. I, I can't necessarily say for all situations here uh, that there's like a one size fits all outcome that I can just say, yeah, like, yes. Um, I would say, you know, if there's a, if there is some turbulence in a certain team's bullpen, maybe there's some pitchers that have gotten recently called up um, or a starter that has been kind of converted to a reliever um, and you're aware of that information, I think it can always just be a good idea to just double check and see if what you you found in your own research correlates uh, to what we're actually showing for that particular team. Um, if there's a player or a team or something like that, you know, a guy that that we're missing here or is projected um, or something like that. It could be a good opportunity uh, to, to add a little bit of additional value here. Bullpens are a little bit weird just again, because these guys don't get guaranteed opportunities. Um, we do stay up to the news on all of the different teams, uh, including their bullpens, but there, there can be situations we miss. So um, again, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know who specifically we're talking about here, which makes this conversation a little bit weird. I would assume um, we had that situation projected correctly. Uh, but if you, if, if we don't like it's a, it's a good spot to make adjustments. So I guess in summary here, since it sounds like Mills was looking for some general rules of thumb, right? We'll, we'll do a pretty good job of staying up on the news with who's in a bullpen, what the starting pitcher rotation looks like, any pitch counts for given pitchers, et cetera. We project pitchers to come in out of the bullpen into the game, uh, in our game simulations. It's a very valuable way to get a little bit different in your baseball showdown lineups at the moment. The only thing that model does not do is it does not take into account recent who has thrown recently. Uh, so that is probably the best way to, to kind of double check all of that. So hope that was helpful. Good to get the show started here. Uh, and let's keep it going. Um, I have two other questions in the queue. It looks like here at the moment. Um, so if you have more questions for me, fire away. Um, cause I think we are going to be, we'll be pretty caught up here probably about 15 minutes or so. Um, so fire away at me. If you guys have questions here, uh, Patrick said, are we ready to bust the broom out for the Stanley cup? I think tonight is going to be by far the hardest game uh, for the abs. I, I, I wouldn't be surprised to see a little bit of a letdown game here. I think the, the lightning are going to come out angry. Um, I think, I think they are really going to come out fast. So we'll see um, if the abs win tonight. I don't know. Then we're, then we're really talking brooms, uh, but I think it's going to be a tough game to win here tonight. Uh, so, but I'm excited. I am excited. And Denver has been just buzzing here. Um, it's been a little while since we've had a, a team in the finals of like any major sport here. I think like we had the Broncos Super Bowls like eight ish years ago, right around there. That was the last time. So, and the abs it's been since 2001, I think. So it's been a little while. So Den Denver's excited. You can feel it in the air here. Um, anyway, let's go ahead and keep it going here. Um, we'll touch on this question. This is from CJ. Um, interesting one here. I don't think I've ever, uh, gotten this question before here. 
Uh, but cool little strategy here. What's the best way to hand select certain lineups for say a 20 max entry when I want to select 10 and then go with the other 10 based on saber score. I always seem to mess it up when trying and send the lineups I want to trash. Can you please demo the best process? Thanks. Yeah. I don't know exactly. Like I, it's hard for me to say, like, I don't know exactly what you're uh, trying to do here. I kind of have a sense of it. Um, this is what I would probably recommend. So I have this build from earlier here. Um, so we'll just use that. And I would say, here's here's probably what I would try to do. I would say, you know, if you want if you want your first ten lineups to be the highest ten saber score lineups, I would say probably you want to just pick you want to just set this equal to ten, right? So you have 10, 10 lineups there, and then we can close our exposures and then go over to the pool. Pool is going to show every lineup you have in your pool, right? And then we have our first. 10 lineups that are selected here. And then here's the 11th lineup, the first lineup that's in our lineup pool, but not in our set of lineups. And then you could go in and and then start hand checking lineups in. So however you wanted to do it, right? You could use the filters. You could do a variety of different things. Maybe we think getting a pirates lineup is pretty interesting here tonight, right? Um, I don't know. I'm going to do these kind of randomly because I don't have time to go through here and actually figure out which 10 I would play. But you know, maybe these are, and let's go get some like weirder, further ones, further ones down here. And you can see this is increasing. So I guess you could kind of fight, figure out once you hit 20. Um, and then we have, let's see, eight, 17, 18, 19, 20, just for fun. Let's say that's what it is, right? So now we have our 20 and we know, and we can actually see it here. If we open this up, right, we can see it's lineups one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, and then that's the first ten, right? Sorted by saber score, and then another twenty here as our initial, our actual lineup set. Um, so once that's set, you know we can click save, um, and then we should be good to go. Um, one other thing that like might be helpful, you know, especially you know if you're getting confused. I think one thing that happens is like people people create their lineup set, but they kind of get confused on on where that lineup set is and what it actually is. Uh, if you click this thing up here, you can rename it, and you could say that this is like my custom twenty or something like that. And then when you go to fill these lineups later, it will be listed as custom twenty, so you don't accidentally fill with the wrong thing. Because you see here, right? There's also a lineup. There's the twenty lineup set from when this build was originally run, right? That was the first twenty, right? So you wouldn't want to accidentally get confused and pick the wrong lineups. Um, I assume, you know, let's, I, I, I kind of feel like as I'm thinking this through, I feel like what you actually are doing looks a little bit differently. Um, what I, I imagine what you're actually doing here, thinking this through is probably handpicking your 10 first and then saying, give me the other next best 10 sorted by saber score that aren't included in my 10. Um, so let's build a fresh set of lineups and that will be like just a very subtle difference, but let's talk about how I would actually go about doing that. Um, basically going to be the exact same steps, but it, it like, it will look a little bit different. Um, so let's let this build here and we don't, we don't really need a full build of 500. So, okay. So if you want to do that approach, one thing you can do, uh, is basically just set this equal to one, right? Like you want lineup one in the pool. So we'll set this equal to one and then go to your pool and then basically select your other 10, right? So again, I'll do the same thing here, but let's assume that like let's assume that some of the lineups you want are in that top 10, right? Cause that makes it a little bit more interesting. And then you want like, then you're going down here and you're going and digging and you're like, I want also this one and that one and this one and that one and this and that, right? And that's your actual 10. Then from there, if you wanted the top remaining 10 Saber score from there, you can go, go back up to the top and actually see basically like where are all the lineups that aren't included in this. So, and then again, count this up to 20. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. These two were already selected, nine and 10. Um, so now we have another set of 20. And again, save. And I'd recommend renaming. And this is maybe our new custom 20, right? So we're good to go. Uh, if you ever mess up, if you ever uncheck, right? And you're like, oh crap, that lineup's gone. I really like that one. Where did it go? Uh, it goes into this trash tab and you can always add these back in by just checking them in here. They'll go back exactly where they were before. They still have the same saver score, so they will reappear here. So all, all is well there. So. But cool. 
All right. Let's keep it going here. I uh, wanted to touch on this question here. Um, this is uh, kind of a bit of a follow-up here from Dallas. Um, whoops. We'll get to you, you in a second here, Don. I apologize about that. Um, let's hit this question first. So first of all, this, this is a follow-up to a conversation we were having last Friday about research builds and correlation. Uh, so I'm going to answer this assuming you have the context uh, of this, this question. If you don't, um, and you're interested, go back and check out that that podcast we had or, or that episode on Friday. Uh, but the question says, I just wanted to follow up to your thoughts on the 10-0-10 research build. Uh, like you said, you ended up with 14% gore, with which inflated his optimal rate. So I did a test build with 150 max settings and five-man showdowns uh, San Diego stacks and actually still had 14% gore with proper slider slate settings. So last night, if the Padres put up 12 runs, 14% probably could not have won. Just something I thought you may want to look at is some users don't check their exposures on a per stack player basis. Yeah, so I'm a little, okay. So I think we're saying the actually the exact same thing, right? What I was saying on Friday is that I would recommend if you want to study stacks in the form of a research build, that you are probably still best off doing that with a stack rule instead of using the correlation slider because. A, the correlation slider is ultimately is going to also affect pitchers. And for the purposes of a research build, you may, if you turn the slider, if you turn the correlation slider all the way up to 10, you might get a better idea of how likely the, um, I don't know, the Padres, let's use the Padres again. The Padres are to be optimal, but you will might also overinflate the percent chance that you is optimal because he has these slight correlations to batters, right? So I, I, I think we're kind of staying saying the same thing. Um, like I, the prob the problem with running a research build with correlation on period is that it's going to affect pitchers in a way that you you maybe don't want. Now, that is only a problem because in a research build you are specifically trying to come up with optimal rates for players. When you run your actual build, right, and you actually sit down and you say, okay, now I'm going to build and my correlation is at eight, right? That also affects pitchers. But at that point, that's a good thing because you want to take advantage of that correlation, right? There's like a very slight, typically on away teams, hitters and pitchers have a very slight correlation, right? You, you want to take advantage of that, at least at least to the extent at which it, it matters. You just don't want that value to go in and affect the optimal rates of players in your research builds unnecessarily. Um, so anyway, I, again, I think some of this is like semantical or maybe a little bit overkill at the end of the day, but I, I think as a uh, research build purist, <laughs> I guess, uh, I think I'd still prefer to do zero zero ten and set a stack rule if that if you want to study stacks. So, closing a loop there, um, and let's hop over to YouTube chat here, answer some questions. Um, and uh, Patrick said, "Made cut percent shows you how many six out of six, five out of six, and et cetera lineups that made it on the weekend." I had six percent, six out of six, brutal weekend. I think you were better than average. This was a very very tough DFS. Uh, event. I think the U S open typically is just because it's a hard course. The scoring average is like typically a little bit over par on a round by round basis. Um, it's tough. That makes it harder, right? When the course is harder, uh, you get projections of players get closer and closer together when a course plays harder, um, which means that it's harder and it's more and more difficult to make good decisions. It's more and more difficult to land lineups at six out of six. I think in like large field GPPs, the average rate was like, three percent or something like that so you probably outpaced your expectation um that's probably you probably actually did pretty well all things considered so um don says assuming that traditional player stats are already incorporated in saber sim what mlb stats do you guys use to predict outcomes um I, I i wouldn't i wouldn't necessarily think about it so much as as like what stats we, so we do think about rates, right? Like like home run rate. I mean, in baseball, like contact rate, um, home run rate, strikeout rate, right? I, that's important. But it is also adjusted contextually, right? So like a home run means less if it happens at Coors than it does at some other ballpark, right? So it's not just like rates in a vacuum. It also depends on the opposing pitcher, right? Based on what actually happened. Like a home run against some terrible pitcher, uh, you know, that, that gives up, I guess, actually, let me put it a better way. A home run against a pitcher that gives up a ton of home runs is not the same as a home run against a pitcher that doesn't give up a home runs. So basically like we kind of take into account all of this recent data, uh, 
and adjust it based on how recently that actually happened and contextualize it. And that ultimately goes into a few different things. And yes, where it gets really interesting, that goes into a few things, right? Like if, let's say, you know, let's say a, a player, let's say a good home run hitter hits a home run off a pitcher who does not give up a lot of home runs in weather that is not conducive to giving up home runs in a pitcher's park, right? There are a lot of different ways to take that. There are, you could say, you know, maybe this hitter is actually even better at hitting home runs than we thought. You could also say maybe um, this pitcher is actually gives up more home runs than we thought, right? Maybe this pitcher is actually worse than we thought. Maybe this park is actually a little bit more of a hitter's park than it than it lends itself to be, right? There are there are values in our simulations that are fluid, that are more likely to be changed by that information, and there's values that are less likely to be changed, right? Like like parks, parks are actually less. Parks in theory are not likely to be changed based on something like that, right? Like it's not like if there was a game in Coors that final scores like one to zero just by a pure chance, that's not very likely for us to say, oh, wait, Coors actually might not be a good hitting park, right? Uh, because, you know, because this happened, right? We have so much data. We know that the park hasn't actually changed, right? Um it's it's not it's likely that that was just variance, but maybe a pitcher that typically in the past hasn't striked out a lot of batters uh, goes and throws eight strikeouts right against a team that doesn't strike out a lot in a park that is a friendly hitting park right. Well, a pitcher can add velocity, he can add a pitch, he can just become a better pitcher right. There's more reason to believe that a pitcher maybe isn't who we thought he was in the past like year or two or something like that. So that kind of thing would be a little bit more of a flexible right like that that pitcher's strikeout rate might be a little bit more flexible than a a park's home run rate or something like that. So again, it's a little bit more complex than just like, what stats are we actually using? It's, it's what, it's what, and I, I would, I wouldn't even think about it so much as stats. I think it's a little bit more helpful to think about as rates and you can do this for basketball too, right? Like uh, assist rate, right? Uh, um, you know, free throw attempted rate, that kind of thing, right? What, what stats, um, what, what, what rates are important uh, what is the context of those rates uh, and how recent is the information ultimately all kind of fuels together to determine how we sim out a game uh, is kind of how we we look at it. So um, I ultimately, you know, I think always, always at the core of this question is it's somebody that wants to go look up a particular stat and make an adjustment based on that. Instead of focusing on a particular stat and saying, you know, I'm going to go look at, I don't know. Uh, I have no idea. ISO or something like that and adjust hitting projections based on that. Instead of doing that, I think you're better off a little bit focusing on situations, right? Focus on situations here where maybe there's an injury or or a new player that's getting called up from the minors or um, some other reason to believe that the situation in that game is unique uh, and, and that all models will struggle to project that game, right? Um, you know, like just throwing like a random one out here. Lance Lynn is an interesting example here tonight, right? Where how are how are the how are the Blue Jays projected? Projected for five runs according to Sabersim, right? Um, let's go see Vegas. Uh, five runs at Vegas as well. Lance Lynn last year was an excellent pitcher. Struggled with injury, came back, rehabbed in the minors. His pitch velocity is down. He got crushed his first game back, right? I would say that you know models, it looks like including Sabersim and Vegas are, have kind of adjusted to that and are assuming, you know, that he doesn't, he's not really who he was last year, right? That might be true, but that situation is inherently a little bit murky, right? There's, there's issues there, right? We have this very recent sample where he kind of appears to be a different pitcher than he was last year, but there's a wealth of history back in his, you know, his year before that, where he was exceptional. He was a very good pitcher. There's a lot going on there. That situation, beyond looking at just some advanced stat, is is inherently a little bit murky. That would be a better use of time than trying to research some stat or some advanced stat or something like that 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 Sabersim is just not taking into account. So, um, but good good question here, um, and always always kind of a fun one to talk about because I think it does give me an opportunity to talk a little bit about like how Sabersim sims actually work, and they are they are pretty unique. It's pretty cool. Um, so, but anyway. Um, Patrick said it's micro mini max this week on DraftKings. Good time to get some practice time that won't cost you an arm and a leg. Yeah, it is. Um, 
These are interesting here. Uh, Aaron said, how would you handle all those micro penny 150 max contests? I mean, let's talk about this a little bit here. I, I, the strategy, I don't think it's going to change a ton. Um, I, I don't think really, but I do think it's worth kind of calling out because there's an interesting, like the lobby is interesting here this week. So um, let's talk about a couple things. I mean, first of all, you know, if you want to, right? I mean, I think these are kind of just fun, but there are these, are, where are the penny ones? Well, where are they? I miss it. Yeah. So they do have like, I, these are kind of goofy to me. Um, I mean, you're talking about a dollar and 50 cents to play 150 lineups to win $20. I think they're, I think they're almost novelty contests, but uh, kind of fun. I don't know. Kind of interesting to, to, to play these. Um, I do. I did want to call out this contest in particular here. I'm unfortunately probably not going to be able to play DFS here tonight. Uh, so I'm going to be able, I'm going to be missing this one. Um, but I do, I think this contest uh, you know, this is, this basically replaces the $4 today. Does it not? Yes. It replaces the $4. So you get it in at a dollar less per entry. It's got a nice big prize pool. Works very well as a nice diversifier contest here, uh, for tonight. So I, I definitely recommend getting into that micro moonshot. Um, I think that could be a really good contest overall here. Um, they pumped up the $1 mini max here tonight too. This thing is enormous. Um, also works as a pretty good diversifier. I think I still probably prefer, uh, maybe the 50 cent first, uh, just a little bit more of an accessible price point there. Um, you know, if you're at kind of the, the lower stakes, but, um, strategically I wouldn't like my approach would probably be the same here. I don't think I'd be massively changing my strategy here because of this promotion. Um, but these micro million contests are always fun here when they do these. I'm curious what the actual promotion is here. Um, let's see, what are they doing? Uh, so you get free tickets if you play, looks like. Oh, and they're doing it for hockey too. That's fun. Um, so if you're interested in playing a little hockey showdown, uh, especially if you've been watching, um, they are doing, yeah, okay. So they have some actual legit contests here. That's top heavy. That's very top heavy. Um, but this is a legit contest. Um, the, the the Stanley Cup Finals contests have been pretty small. What was the other one? Uh, uh, and, a, and a Minimax too, 150. So... Uh, we do have simulations for hockey, um, so can be very useful here. But cool. So yeah, I, I love I love the micro millions. I think they do it like once or twice a year. I think twice maybe, um, maybe even more than that. I know they do it for NBA. I know they do it for baseball. I don't know if we get one for like football or or anything else. But they're nice. That's cool. Um, you get a fun week with like low stakes stuff that's pumped up a little bit more. So, but, and then again, yeah, strategically, I should, I should like, I feel like I've said this halfway, like three times strategically, my approach isn't changing really. Like I'm still, I'm still approaching these. They're not dramatically different contests than what you're familiar with. Um, so it looks like they just opened up another one of these maybe, or I'm, I'm tripping. I don't know. Anyway. Uh, Patrick said good payout for that 20 max. Yeah, no, that's legit. I, that's fun. Uh, uh, $5,000 up top for NHL showdown. It's pretty awesome at $4 to enter. That's great. Guy will gamble said, I love that micro moonshot. Yeah, they, I actually, I only, only when I saw it pop up today, I, I realized there has been no moonshot this year. Last year, there was a moonshot every day. Uh, it was like a smaller version of the, um, it was like a smaller more version of the $4. It was normally like eight or 9,000 total entrance. It was a 20 max and it was $3. Uh, that's gone. They're not running that this year, which is a little sad and a little bit, I don't know, man. I have some concerning baseball DFS indicators here, I think sometimes, right? Um, it really baseball specifically, right? Like basketball is bigger year over year. Golf, bigger year over year. Football, bigger year over year. Baseball, like where's the moonshot, you know? Um, that was a decent contest last year. I played that quite a bit. So I don't know where it is. $3.20 max at like 9,000 entrants. It was, it was a nice one. It was a good one. Big Meech said, what combined ownership percent are we looking for in a GPP 20 max contest that have 9 to 20K entrance? Yeah, so I typically recommend people avoid these rules of thumb related to like a, a lot of things, but you know, ownership is included in that. Uh, part of the reason why, um, even though you've specified here 20 max, 9 to, 9 to 20K entrance, uh, this misses a lot of slate to slate nuance right? Like, let me give you an example. Let's assume that Garrett Cole was projected for a hundred points, 
as just an extreme example, and he was going to be 95% owned, right? That would change significantly how you approached your ownership for this particular slate, right? Now, again, I know this is an extreme example, but I think it 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 makes the point clear, right? You would probably just lock him in, right? I mean, a 100% projection, like you have to play him. He's he, You have to roster him. You have to just eat this 95% projected own that makes all of your ownership sums way higher. There is no way you can really afford to fade this. Now, again, I know that's an extreme example, but that's kind of the the slate to slate nuance that things are going to miss. Basically, you know, how well projected are the best plays on the slate and how owned are they going to be is going to change contextually slate to slate that, that context. Um, so instead of trying to come up with a number that's, you know, I think this is about appropriate, I would look at things from a slate to slate basis and do that by, by building lineups, right? So when you come in here to SaberSim, GPP 20 max, 10 to 50 K, right? That's exactly what we're talking about here for an eight game slate on DraftKings for baseball. We're going to set the ownership fade slider to a level that we find is appropriate based on our historical back testing here. And that will take into account the context of the slate and build you lineups that are appropriately adjusted for ownership. Uh, and it'll do it differently based on the slate, right? Sometimes maybe you're going to be eating a lot of pitching chalk. Maybe sometimes you eat a lot of hitting chalk. Maybe you're fading chalk aggressively if we don't think that chalk, the chalk is very uh, good, that particular slate. Um, you know, there's all kinds of different ways that this can shake out. So I think heuristics and rules of thumb, like, you know, I can even tell you, you know, uh, 125% combined ownership or shoot for 100, 100 to 150, right? And that, that wouldn't even be like that helpful for you. It would be this... Oh, at best, it would be an average that misses a ton of important context. Um, so I wouldn't think about it that way. I would build lineups and, you know, on default settings and kind of get familiar and see with what kind of lineups that you're getting out of there uh, and, and go from there. So I'm curious. Let's see. Let's see what we're getting. So um, we can look at our ownership sums here. 112, right? In this case, it looks like we paid for the two top aces up top and then get to two relatively lower owned stacks here. Um, 102. Same thing, different way. So actually, you know, let's look at this more broadly, right? So here, it kind of seems like there's a general trend for this particular slate. It's basically play some combination of Cole, Burns, and you, three elite pitchers in pretty good matchups, right? And then get different and play contrarian stacks, right? It looks like most commonly New York, Detroit, and Pittsburgh. It seems like are the easiest ways to get different, right? So we're fading what? Angels and Toronto chalk, basically. Uh, it looks like we're like generally under slash fading on Red Sox, Toronto and Angels chalk and playing these lower on stacks, right? But that's so much more powerful than me saying, like, even if I knew this number beforehand, even if I said, yeah, about a hundred to 150, right? That is so much more powerful saying what I just said than that, right? Like saying that on this particular slate, maybe the optimal strategy is to, to play the chalk elite pitchers and get different on these stacks for a total lineup ownership of, of this or something like that. So um, that's one of the coolest parts about SaberSim is that you are enabled to answer some of these questions for yourself because the tool itself understands what a good lineup is and what a slate contextualized and a contest contextualized good lineup is. And if you are unsure, right, for whatever reason, you can kind of ask SaberSim, right? Like what's, what's the appropriate amount of ownership here uh, for a slate like this? Right. And we could even sort by ownership. And actually, you know, this is something I'll do sometimes. Basically, you know, we can sort by ownership and say, you know, in this entire pool of 500 lineups, the highest owned lineup we have is 175% owned. And the lowest owned lineup we have is 37% owned. Right. Now, there's a spectrum of Sabre score there. Not all of these lineups are equal necessarily, uh, but that can also kind of, you know, basically say, you know, this is your wide range. This is kind of your max ranges. And then within your 20, you know, we're what, 102 to, I'm just kind of doing a quick scan here. There's one that's 87 in our top lineup. So 87 to 145 approximately. Yeah, for our top 20. So we have like 87 to 85 to 145 is kind of like our, our range. And then our wide range is like 40 to 180, right? Kind of cool. So. Um, Aaron says, uh, real quick, I got damn near 900 lineups to play. I would, I actually think I should mention this. You can make your own decisions here, right? And I know what our most recent contest selection framework says about playing a unique lineup in every entry. 
I probably would break that rule tonight if I was playing. Uh, I this is too much for me. Like I I'm not going to play 150 more unique entries for a shot at 20 bucks for a cent an entry, right? Like if let's say hypothetically, you know, again, I, I'm not going to be able to play tonight, but let's say I was playing like uh, the 50 cent minimax and the one cent minimax, I would probably just play 150 lineups because I can't do it at that point. Like I can't, I can't let that that difference in winning happen because of pure randomness. Um, again, I know I know what our contest selection framework says, and I think that's still true. You know, I would probably, if it came down to like the, I would be willing to accept a five x swing from five thousand dollars to a thousand dollars to play a unique lineup in all of my moonshots and all of my fifty cent mini maxes, but I can't do it when we're talking about the difference of 20 bucks for beating 24,000 lineups versus a thousand dollars. I just can't. So um, figure out, like make sure tonight that you are comfortable. Again, I would lean on the side of playing unique lineups in general, but make sure you are comfortable with what is implied by your unique lineups in terms of some of that variance, some of that like randomness of where those lineups ends up. If you're going to put unique lineups and everything. Um, so Let's see. What else we got? I don't see anything else. What else? What What else is going on, guys? What other questions do we have? I don't see anything else happening here. Maybe look at uh, wrapping up the stream here a little bit early today, unless I see uh, anything coming back through here. Um, but I had a pretty decent weekend of, of DFS, to be honest. Uh, baseball in particular. Um, I uh, I had sweats on both the early main, early and main on Saturday and on the main site on Sunday um, for, for the mini maxes, actually. It was like right in the middle of it all day. And I think I finished uh, pretty well both both days in the 50 cent mini maxes. So had a nice profitable baseball weekend. Uh, I thought I was going to do better in MMA too. Um, I had a pretty high six of six rate. Um, I was doing pretty well, but I think it was just like, I, I mean, it was obviously a very high scoring card in general, but I also think it was, I don't know. It was weird because I kept seeing, you know, these guys with like relatively low ownership doing okay. Um, doing, or not even doing okay, doing pretty well, but it seemed like, I don't know, like I ended up unprofitable on a card where I had some of my highest six of sixes ever. Um, and I don't know, pretty far out of things. And most of my lineups were pretty duped. So I maybe didn't get different enough there so um guy will gamble said uh i keep getting higher owned pitchers that i've projected lower than others and i can't explain why happened with verlander saturday and yesterday with bassett less than severino um interesting uh let's experiment we can try let's try something here let's try an experiment so let's say you're under, let's say you're under on, well, not 445. Let's say you're doing something like this, right? So you're going to project Cole as higher owned and you want him lower projected. And let's see what we get out of that. We, I would expect like we should get less Cole here. Um, so let's see what happens. But I, yeah, I mean, I would accept, I would expect to get less Cole here. But we can look into it. I'd be curious why. Um, it could be something to do with like lineup percentiles, potentially, I'm thinking here. But we'll run a little experiment since we have some time here today. See what happens. And I apologize. I saw your DM too. I um, it, it slipped off my radar. I saw it come in. I think you sent me a message on Saturday or something like that and then forgot about it. So I'm glad you mentioned it here on today's stream. Um, let's see. See what happens here in our attempts to fade Garrett Cole, or at least to maybe be under on Garrett Cole. Huh? Yeah. So interesting. So again, like projected for less costs, more higher owned, um, and we're getting more coal. Um, I wonder, is it maybe a salary thing? I wonder if it's a salary thing. I mean, we did get less. We got less coal there than we did when we ran the build before, but we're still not getting more burns than coal. 
Um, yeah, I also, you know, the other thing to remember too, and this this gets kind of weird. This gets hard to necessarily diagnose. Um, but you know, there's the other side of this where it's like the the average projections are really only for us to use as kind of a tool. But you know, it's possible that even if you've adjusted Cole's average projection to be lower than Burns, that based on the way that their potential distributions look, that like at the very high end outcomes, you're actually still burnt. Cole is still burn out outperforming Burns, for example, right? Um, but I mean, it's it's like better there. I guess what I'm trying to say is like, so we've reduced Cole's projection by 4.35 here, but at the 95th percentile outcome, oh no, that doesn't make sense either because then this would come down to. 40 and he would be projected for less. Yeah, I don't know. This is a tough one for me to diagnose. I can I can pass this along and just see what the rest of the team thinks here. Um and we can do a little bit of like cuz it does seem weird a little bit to me. Like um I would say, you know, for now as best best advice is I would say use all of the tools at your disposal meaning like adjust uh, adjust the um, adjust the exposures until you're you're satisfied with how things look after making those customer projections. But it's possible that there's something to look into here. So, but I will I will pass that along. Um, Aaron says, "Do you x out teams that you get very low low exposure to?" I don't. I know this is like a common. I know people say this often, um, but I don't. Right? Like if I was playing this slate, you know, and I was maybe taking a stand and being under on Red Sox. And after I ran my build, it turned out that I had 4% Red Sox stacks, right? Like I'm comfortable with that. That's that's fine to me. Um, it seems like if you're going to X out that kind of thing, you, you're picking kind of an arbitrary number and just saying, I don't want less exposure than this to a particular team or stack or whatever. And not to say there's anything wrong with that, but it does seem somewhat arbitrary. Like you're putting that number at five or 10% and just saying no less than that. Um, you know, eventually you're, you're going to have to have a couple players or teams or stacks or things like that, that you only have a little bit of, you can't, you can't have a ton of exposure to every team. Um, also I like to play diversified, right? My strategy is generally to play. I want a wide exposure. I want to get I want to be exposed to a lot of different teams and players on the slate. That that requires that I have some low exposure sometimes. Sometimes I'm going to have, you know, um, I might have 2%, 3%, 4%, 5% exposure to a particular team or pitcher or stack or something like that. And I'm, I'm totally fine with that. Um, you know, again, when we run our research builds, a lot of times we see that, you know, even the best, even the best projected hitter for baseball in particular, even the best projected hitter on the slate might only have a chance of being optimal 10 or 15% of the time, right? The vast majority of hitters on a slate might only be optimal 5% of the time, right? So those numbers of having, you know, only 5% exposure don't scare me when I'm building my lineups. That also, I should note that I'm also almost always playing 150. If I was playing 20 lineups, right? Like I maybe won't, I maybe wouldn't want a ton of different players that I'm only getting 5% of that I'm only having in one lineup. 5% in 150 lineups means a lot more right in terms of actual lineup equity than it does in 20 lineups so i think that's another thing there as well but i'm fine having low exposure to guys if they fit they fit right even if i'm taking a stand um and and you know handling it that way so um patrick said uh for those micro mini maxes do we still look at the top prizes and use the contest method selection process in terms of pay structure don't want to get caught up in the hype and make sure the pay is good um, I mean, it depends. Like this is, this is, this is like for fun, right? Like this is, this isn't really anything. This, like, you know what I mean? Like, I don't know. This is literally, this is like essentially a 150 max dime time is essentially what this is. So if you want to throw this on just for fun to say you did, then do it. Uh, this contest, like for the other contests here, yeah, you should still use the same contest selection principles. Right. So pick your diversifiers first. Right. So I guess you could say that this is a diversifier, but again, like it's, it's just kind of like a small, I don't know. It's like a meme contest a little bit here. Um, 
I would say, you know, start with, let's, let's do it this way, you know, start with your diversifier. So if you're trying to fill up, um, what a hundred dollars worth of diversifier contests, probably $5 into the quarter jukebox, uh, probably 20 into the solo shot. Um, then I would probably say, uh, start filling up the, the 50 cent mini max, right? Um, one general rule of thumb based on our research is that it's almost always better to the, the only exception to our like rules that we explained in that video are that typically the three or $4 20 max is better than the $1 mini max. So I would say probably get, I would probably play the moonshot before I'd play the, the $1 mini, but otherwise like the, the rules of thumb in terms of contest selection should still, uh, be followed. Um, and when you're saying like, don't want to get caught up in the hype, I wouldn't get so caught up in the hype that you start overextending your bankroll. That would probably be the most important thing to be careful of is avoiding overextension. So. Uh, if you have time, can you try the same exercise with Cole on FanDuel? Sure. We can see. And let's take a more extreme example this time, just for fun. Let's, um, let's drop him to 30 and 50. And see. See what we get. But there might be something for us to look at there. So we'll see. See what happens. All right. Let's take a look here. So, I mean, even this is still a little weird, right? Like, yeah, I mean, we're getting more burns, but it is a little strange here, um, right? Like, why would we get more coal than you is an interesting one here. So, yeah, no, I, I think it's a little weird. I think it definitely looks a little strange. So I will pass this along. Um, I don't know, you know, what I... Let's see. Yeah, I don't know. I'll pass it along. That's that's uh, that's all I can say at the moment. Um, I am not sure. So, but good find. Okay, I think for now, that will be it for today. Uh, I will be right back here again tomorrow, 2 p.m. Eastern. So enjoy this late tonight. Enjoy the the micro millions promotions and low stakes contests and things like that on DraftKings tonight. I'm a little sad to miss it, um, but uh, we'll be looking forward to getting back into it here tomorrow. Again, I will be back on tomorrow's stream, same time, same place, 2 p.m. Eastern. Uh, and until then, take care. See you later.